Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. What's up, Res Life? How are we tonight? Is there anything better than just getting in the house of God, diving into the Word, jumping in, hearing some great worship? How about that bass player up there? That was not bad at all. You know what I call that? I call that real leadership. That's what I call that, real leadership. Thank you, team, so much. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for letting me be here. And, and since we're in a little bit uh, more of an intimate setting, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, when I was nine years old, March of 1981, I prayed to receive Christ as the Boston Rescuer of my life. I've never been the same since. I'm super grateful to God for the work and call in my life as a 20-year-old to full-time ministry. Uh, I'm totally shocked by that. Uh, no one in my family, you know, was in ministry, and it wasn't anything even that I understood the calling on, and uh, so grateful to God. Met my wife in ministry, uh, fell in love, four kids, were super blessed. By the way, if you want to find God's person for your life, stay focused on God's purpose. It always falls in line. If you're in the house, you're going to have a better chance of finding God's best when you're in the house instead of someone crazy. Uh, just throwing that out there, that's free of charge. And uh, stay close to the house. I love the church. I'm passionate about the church. I'm passionate about uh, the opportunities that Cindy and I get regularly to speak uh, about marriage as well. But I, the local church is where it's at. I'm grateful to my kids. Uh, three of them are passionately serving in the local church. And uh, matter of fact, two of them led worship at two of our campuses today. Uh, they're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, you can clap for them. I love claps. Why not clap for my kids? And uh, they do an amazing work and several of them um, and even my daughter-in-law are full-time on staff at the church. They serve beautifully. I love it. I'm so grateful to God for it. God's word's alive. God's word is real. God's word is flawless. God's word is powerful. And I want to take a few moments to dive into it. And I want to share with you um, something that God's been teaching me. And I mean teaching. It's not taught. It's something that I'm learning. And really the exploits, the, the, the truth of um, the gems, the diamonds that you dig out of the story and the life of Joseph, um, just like God's word, is, it just seems endless. I mean, it's just constant. And I, I want to share with you uh, very quickly um, not because it's going to be a quick message, it's not. I'm going to tell you that right now. But it would be, it's quicker than it would be because it was a four-week series. So we're not going to do that tonight. Uh, but I wrote a series entitled Coattails, T-A-L-E-S, where your life live on the tales, the stories of the coats of the life of Joseph. Joseph's life is the story of four coats. And we're going to look at a couple of those coats. We, we might touch on all four, but we're going to look at a couple of the coats tonight. One is the coat of many colors, and one is the coat of character. If you go on, you look at the coat of the convict. If you go on, you look at the coat of the kingdom. That's with a K, but I spell it with a C just so it all fits together and uh, looks good on my homiletics paper in seminary. If you don't know what that is, good. Uh, but I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this because God's word is what changes lives. 
and I know you understand that. Also, I want you to be able to translate some of these truths to your life so that you can impact other people's lives. That's the purpose of it, right? Anyway, we all know that. Um, and I know that we're in a cultural battle. Um, we're not in a political battle. We're not in a weather battle. We're not in a news cycle battle. I mean, all those things play a part of every part of our lives, I get every day of our lives, potentially. But we're in a cultural battle. And it. The enemy, and we have been since the garden, have we not? I mean, the, the church has, the, the word of God has, the truth of God's word. Uh, since the garden, did God really say has been the thought. It's not new, but what is new is a quiet church. And not that Res Life's quiet, because it's not. I mean, it's jacked up. But as a whole, we are missing the voice within our culture. And maybe a lot of it is, again, the enemy... Uh, has stifled it. But one of the greatest ways I believe that we can impact our culture is when we're impacted by God's word, where we don't just say, oh, that's a neat thought. That is neato. I mean, I, I love that or buy the book or, uh, or, or whatever it may be, but that we are truly impacted and that impact changes Everything that takes place in our life, it, it, at least, and I'm saying it's 100% of our life, but I'm saying it's in 100% of our situations where people see the reality of Jesus in our lives. And it could be in our uh, physical appearance with a smile. It could be in our encouragement and it could be giving hope. It could be so many ways, but one of the best ways is when you live out what God's word has promised you. And when you live according to the promises of God, you're not tilted according to the premise of the world. And when you operate in the promises, the premise doesn't matter. I mean, who cares about the culture? Who cares about the context? Who cares about the circumstances? The truth is this, the promises of God are true and we can rest and live on those. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And you can clap too. I take all the claps on a Sunday evening service that we possibly can. You know why I love Sunday evening services? I got saved in a Sunday evening service. I got saved in a Sunday evening service. I probably disobeyed in the AM service, but I still got saved at the PM service. I want to read to you a passage of scripture. I, actually, I'm going to context a lot of this because you already know it. But if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn to Genesis chapter 37. If you're at a PM service, you're, not, you're jotting these notes down. Just write this stuff down. Jot it down unless you have a photographic memory. And then uh, while we're dismissing, I'll ask you some questions. Uh, but otherwise, just jot some of this stuff down that I think will help you. But Genesis 37 is where we're at. And you know the story that's transpiring here. But I want to jump and look at a couple of these coats. The coat of many colors, that's a picture of favor. That's God's favor. How many know you got God's favor in your life? Well, if you don't now, you're going to here in the next 12 minutes. Because I want to share with you a little bit of what this coat means for your life. Look at verse, uh, I'm just going to jump into verse number 3. And it says that Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. 
And we, we all know about the first 10 and the last two and the whole situation and, and uh, you know, your wedding night, you end up with someone different. That, by the way, that's weird. I'm, I'm, can someone write that in your notes? That's weird. I, I don't know how dark that room was, but that's weird. And uh, uh, th- that's just weird. And uh, maybe he knew. I don't know. We'll ask him when he gets there. Uh, but uh, I, no, I'm not saying he knew. The Bible doesn't imply that. That was a PM church pastor corny joke. <laughs> but I will say this, it's weird. And then you know you have the number 11 and then you have the Benjamin blessing and number 12, which is another message I want to preach someday that I've never preached, but I want to. And he creates for Joseph, uh, the word we use is coat. The word translated better is tunic. It literally means from your ankles Oh, excuse me, from your wrist all the way to your ankles. I mean, this, this thing is a serious deal. And it, it says here that it was variegated. The original language means variegated, or it means it, it has this unbelievable beauty of, and it is colors, but it's variegated. Matter of fact, it comes from the word many of you would probably hear, have heard this before or understand it, but it comes from the same word. We get our, our a Greek word, manifold. And we, of course, we know that, that we have received upon salvation, the manifold wisdom of God is available to us through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we, we have this picture in the life of Joseph through this tunic or this coat, and it's a picture of the father's favor. And we see this in Joseph's life all through the scripture. I, I've written some here in my notes that I, I, I just think are, are so powerful and let me just read a few of them. Joseph and Jesus comparisons. You, you've probably seen these in scripture before, but if you look at it, there's several ways. He had a dream. It resembled deity. Jesus was deity. Joseph was born uh, of a woman's womb that was closed up. We know the story there um, as well. Joseph was the beloved son of his father, Jacob, and his father openly displayed this unbelievable coat and blessing, we know that God said, this is my beloved son. We see these parallels all through the scripture. Joseph was openly hated by his brothers. We know that Jesus also crucify him as what his brothers or his, the church said. Joseph was sold uh, by his brothers. And if you remember the story, they used a monetary understanding and he was sold for what? He was sold for silver and Jesus was sold for silver. The pictures here just, they literally are endless. I mean, not endless, but they're, they're listed very long. Uh, Joseph's thrown in a pit, Jesus thrown in a pit. Um, matter of fact, if you've been to Israel, you've seen that pit. You, um, Joseph said what you meant for evil, God meant for good, and Jesus on the cross. Isn't that powerful? Don't you love all these pictures? I love these pictures. Um, and there, there are several more. Um, I won't take time to go into all of them. But we know that Joseph walked in the divine what? Favor of God. And what I know about favor is this. Favor ain't fair. And that's good Arkansas English. But the truth is this. If you have accepted Christ, as I mentioned, that I had at nine years old, March of 1981, I know Jesus Christ is saved me. I'm convicted of sin. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. There's evident work of Christ. There's proof of fruit in my life. There, it's, it's a beautiful relationship with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Because of that, God says you have favor. Amen. You're favored of God. 
Has anybody got a favorite anything? Raise your hand if you got a favorite food. Anybody got a favorite food? I, I got a favorite food. My favorite food, I mean, if I get a choice like any day of the week, I'm like, let's go get something to eat. My favorite food is steak. It's beef, right? I mean, and those of you that are vegetarians, God loves you still. It's okay. I know you feel insecure and weak at times, but I'm just saying, why is it that all vegetarian food is basically made up to look like real food? Isn't that hilarious? I always think that's so funny. Tastes just like meat. Why don't you just eat meat? I also think it's funny when they got off the ark, the first thing that God told him to do was what? Eat meat. Hallelujah. He didn't say, well, that's not the first thing Noah did. He got drunk. But that's a whole other story of sin. I just, I just know that we have favorites, favorite food, favorite thing to do, favorites kind of stuff. By the way, you're God's favorite. You're favored by God. You've been given the coat of favor through Jesus Christ and you get to walk in that. You get to live in that. Matter of fact, if I was going to put it in note form here, here's just some, a few points. The favor of God in your life must be seen like the paparazzi. In other words, you are there. it's just constant favor. It's constant blessing. It's constant yes. It's constant uh, connection with God. This lens is how you view your brand new life in Jesus Christ. See, the enemy wants to get you downtrodden, discouraged, depressed, thinking you can't can't overcome. You are the favored son and daughter of God Almighty. So much so that he sent his son so you could experience his favor. And not just experience his favor so he can say, I'm favored. No, so we can change the world. So we can build his kingdom. So we can inspire people around us to understand the favor and the blessing of God. Let me just read some verses that'll help echo this in your life. Proverbs 12 and verse number two, a good man will obtain favor from the Lord. Psalms five and verse number 12, you bless the righteous, you surround them with your favor as a, get this, as protection, as a shield, God's favor is shield. It keeps depression. It keeps doubt away. It keeps discouragement away. Say yes to the favor of God. My daughter, my third uh, child, Sarah, she always says, she always introduces herself. Oh, hi, my name's Sarah. I, I'm my dad's favorite child. That's what she always says. I, I was his favorite. And she always says that. And no parent has favorites, right? No parent has favorites. I have four kids, two boys, two girls. None of them are my favorite except Sarah. But no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Here is the thing. You're God's favorite. And, and not only that, when you understand that, I believe you're going to walk different. I, I'm not saying that Joseph was arrogant. I am just saying this. He knew he had favor. And you have favor. God's favor. Matter of fact, would you just lean to somebody you know and just say, you're God's favorite. Tell them so they don't forget. You're God's favorite. I love this verse in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 25. The Lord made his face. We, we quote it all the time. His shine upon you, gracious to you, lift up your countenance and give you peace. That's God's favor. Jeremiah 32 in verse number 40. I will make them with an everlasting covenant. And it says that I will not turn away from doing good to them. God's favor is in your life. You have to view it through the lens of God's favor. You cannot look at God as someone who's always got the blue lights on wanting to get you in trouble. 
Yes, God desires for you to experience his best. There's law, there's instruction, there's encouragement there, but there's favor and blessing when we walk in the direction of his favor. And the favor is already yours. Don't you love when you go home and you can open up the fridge? Why? Because you got fridge rights. You got favor. There are some people that cannot open your fridge. There's some people that are just like, hey, can you give me something to drink? You get to open the fridge. You've got fridge rights. Your, your picture might even be on Jesus' fridge. I'm just saying. You are, you're blessed and you have to view your life through that. Otherwise, you have a, a skewed view of how much that Jesus loves you. It's a picture of favor that you and I have to live through. Luke chapter 11, verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light or full of goodness. It's how you view this. You have to surrender to the truth that I'm favored of God, even if you don't understand everything that's transpiring. You're still favored. You're still favored. You're still blessed. He understands. He knows. There are things that are going to transpire in your life that allow you to experience great success. Jesus Christ hung on the cross, but he didn't live on the cross. That was a momentary moment that changed the entire moment of the world. And you at the same time, you're not going to be on there. The re- There's moments where you have it, but you're still favored. You still are. The, he says, my beloved son. And he says this, the scripture says that he views us As his son, crazy truth, radical truth, but you have to view your life through the favor of God's best. And then the favor of God equals very simply the merited, no, the unmerited favor of God. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Nothing. You trust in Jesus Christ, the work's already done, and God's grace is given to you as Karos, as favor of God, as a blessing on your life. It's by grace or God's favor, his, his yes, that you are saved. Something is happening in your life when nothing is happening in your life. And what is that? It's favor. God's doing the work. God's planning it out. Jeremiah 29, 11. And this in context is so even more powerful. He knows the plans. He knows the purpose. He can't wait to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, to give you a future. Speaking to his people. Did they go through some hurdles in that same chapter? No doubt about it. But God is bringing about his best. He desires his best for you. You've got to live with that confession. You've got to live with that surrender. You've got to say yes to God's best through that lens of his grace and favor in your life. And then the favor of God, as I mentioned earlier, I would just want to remind us, is promise-based, not performance-based. You don't do things to get his favor. Now, there are things that please God. There are things that I believe open up conduits of God's blessing in your life. And, and those were reciprocal based on obedience, yes, but at the same time, your performance doesn't change God's favor in your life, doesn't change his love for you. Does it change your potential impact and legacy and future and kingdom building? No doubt about that, but God's favor, his love is never changing for you. It's not based on your performance, it's based on your promise, and that promise is found in distinction. It's the coat of many 
colors. It's the favor of God in your life. But here's the, here's the hurdle here. Here's really, all those thoughts are so great until you get to this point, and that is this. We are conditioned to seek approval. We're conditioned to seek approval. There's no doubt we want to please God with our faith. There's no doubt. But I'm talking about in the positioning of who you are in your walk with Jesus Christ. And we're just naturally conditioned to seek approval. If we're seeking approval, it means we don't believe we already have it. And if you believe you already have it, it changes everything. Because you do. If you're a child of God, if you know Christ as the boss and rescuer of your life, if you've repented of your sins, surrendered to God's best, the favor of God is on your life, and the favor of God spills over to every area of your life. Every area of your life, whatever you're wanting to see God do in your life, because the fact is this, God's favor is ongoing and it's never ending. It never runs out. It's always around us. It's always with us. It's not for one season of our lives. It's not something that is with us for a little while and then we make a wrong choice and it's gone. God's favor is always there. And because of his favor, it motivates us to confess. It motivates us to live holy lives. It motivates us to surrender. That favor motivates us to do things that please God, not continually live in sin. It's founded in grace and it's forever in our lives. Psalms 30 and verse number five says this, for his anger lasts only a moment, but what? His favor lasts a lifetime. You, you see, the, it's not a dichotomy. It's a, it's a oneness. Yeah, there, there's disappointment, but the favor never changes. It, it'll change you. That coat of many colors will change you. And the reason that many of us aren't living in the favor because you're not willing to wear the coat. I mean, it took some audacity to wear the coat. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? And not just because he was the only one with one made by the father, but the fact that it went from your wrist to your ankles. That takes some audacity. I can tell you right now, I ain't wearing that coat. I mean, I'd, I'd struggle with it. I, could, I do have a girl's name most people would understand. Oh, I know why he's wearing that. But it'd be a hurdle. And, and sometimes you're like, you know what? I don't want to look like so. No, where is favor? Let people see the truth of who you are in Jesus Christ. By the way, favor is not arrogance. Favor is not arrogance. It's something that's drawing you. And, and I love that so many times when you see this in, the, in his life, the favor promoted the dreaming. The favor promoted the daring. The, the favor of God and the favor of the Father promoted him from just going to the next level and really receiving that dream and going, man, this is the heart of God, the heart of the Father. Yes, I understand it. And because of that, he was able to do bold things for the cause of Christ. Ultimately, we know how it impacts our world even today. Even today. Because your dream may lay dormant until you're bold in the favor of God, and you end up planting it in someone else's need. I mean, that's what this Heart for the Kingdom is all about. If you don't feel favored and loved and positioned and understanding the way you are to live your life through the lens of God's favor, your dream, you may think is just for you, but your dream may lay dormant until you plant it in the soil of the need of someone else. 
And when that happens, then all of a sudden, all this stuff starts. That's the whole reason he had the dream. The dream was not for him to be an arrogant coat-wearing dude. It wasn't. The dream was what? To save the world. And he was daring enough to do so because he received the favor and said yes. But we all know that his brothers were jealous. And people say, oh, he shouldn't have shared the dream and he shouldn't have. No, I say this. Every dream is dead until it's shared. I mean, you, you, people don't share dreams because they don't want to have to live in the faith to live it out. That's why they say I've got a silent prayer request because they don't really believe God can answer. Now, there's some things you need to stay silent about. I mean, like I don't tell people I pray that my wife wants to make out with me tomorrow night, but I pray that <laughs> because I believe it's worship and I want to worship the Lord with my wife because he created intimacy in marriage in the marriage bed. If you believe that, say, yeah, if you're single and just said that, say, I'm a pervert. Don't say that. I'm joking. Don't say that. Just say, I'm hoping one day. Yes. Amen. But the truth is this, I, I'm not saying those words, I get that, but most reason people say I've got a silent prayer request is because you're not living in the favor of believing God to do it. But he was like, I got a dream, here it is, you guys are going to bow down to me. But it wasn't about that, was it? It was about saving a nation. I mean, he, he lived in the coat for 17 years, he lived in the lens of the coat, the lens of favor for the next from 17 to 30, he lived with the link. He didn't have the coat anymore, but he never stopped. He never stopped, even when his brothers left him out to dry, left him in a pit. He still lived in the lens of favor. And you have to do the same thing because it's so easy to go, oh, I'm not seeing it. I don't have it. I can't believe this business venture struggling or I'm having this marriage hurdle or I've got a rebellious child or I'm fighting this issue at work or I can't believe this is happening. You've got to continue to look through the lens of favor. And, and then that'll move you to seeing that God gives it to all of us. That being all that are called his kids. And then when you live in that lens of favor, it allows you when you get into the real of life to experience success. Now, let me take you with the last few minutes that I have here to the second coat. And this is really where the rubber meets the road. Because we want to speak favor in ways that are not tangible at times. I've got God's favor, I've got God, but not really act on it. The next coat moves him into action. The code of colors, the code of character is the second coat in the story. And matter of fact, the first coat was God's responsibility. The second coat is his responsibility because we meet Potiphar, which that really isn't in the Bible. That's just what I call her, Potiphar's wife, Potiphar. And when you walk into the second coat, there's Potiphar's in our lives. He's the one that had to make the decision to live in the favor of God. He already had God's favor, but he had to walk through the lens of it. The first is God's responsibility he brings to us. The second is our responsibility. But you won't see the first coat unless you're living through the lens of it. 
when you get to the second coat. And the world won't see that Jesus Christ is real until you're willing to say yes to God's best, even when some rich woman's coming at you and you're a single attractive guy or lady and someone's coming at you and when they do you take off and run instead of giving in saying you know what I couldn't help myself I what was I going to do get killed blah 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 you say yes to character even though everybody else or so many others would miss out on the opportunity to say I'm favored of God so yeah he had to say yes he had to go to prison before he could set the world free of their almost prison that's favor. Whoa. That crazy talk. Everybody wants Jesus to be rainbows and care bears. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. Favor is still there. Why is there hotifers in our lives? Why is there these moments in our lives? Well, the reason is, is because God's word tells us that he wants to do three things, really four or five, but I'm going to give you three just for the sake of time, that he wants to do in our lives when Hotifers come in our life. And you're going to have a Hotifer. If you've not had a Hotifer moment in your life, you've not lived. And it may not be a female. It could be money. It could be uh, a tempting job that's out of God's will for your life, but you're looking at the end instead of looking at the now that God wants to get you through that can help you with your marriage. I, I just walked a couple through this. He took this job that paid 100000 more, and he hadn't seen his kids in almost nine months. And he's like, this is the dumbest investment ever. I said, there's plenty of time to make $100,000 more. People don't understand when they're young, and I'm being one of those. I'm not young anymore, but when I was, I, I never dreamed the time that I would have at 48 years old to live out life and have more time to earn more income instead of not have kids around. And my wife and I made a radical decision that many didn't, and that is for her to stay home instead of work in ministry so that she could invest more into our kids to create a legacy because God knew that though that may have been somewhat of a prison for her to raise kids, do kids, go to Walmart with four kids, that you're filled with the Spirit of God if you can do that. I can tell you right now. If you can go with four kids. Hey, don't, don't, don't anybody under the age of 30 say, well, I do delivery. That does not count sitting and waiting for someone to put it in the back of your suburb. You could be filled with the devil and do that. I can tell you right now. Go with four kids and uh, you know what I'm saying. That was a ministry. That was a calling that we chose. Now at 48, now 50 years old, we got more time to do more, to invest more, to fly to Grand Rapids and remember how much I love this place more. I love that opportunity. And it, I, I told them, I was like, don't try to make all your money. Don't miss out on what God's going to do. That was a hotifer in his life that almost wrecked his marriage. God brings those in our lives, number one, to reveal our weaknesses. I, I believe this series, The Heart for the Kingdom, is to reveal your weaknesses as much as it is to reveal your strength. And for many of us, it's, we love money. Or we think the church has enough. Or we have a theology that keeps us from investing in life change. I believe also that it not only reveals our weaknesses, these hotter for moments, it also helps us reveal our watchfulness. And that is, I got to take care of my stuff. I'm not saying steward your money. That's a cop-out for greed. I just need to be a good steward. That's called, I'm greedy. That's what that means in the Greek. So if you say that, just say, I'm greedy instead. God didn't call you to be a good steward. He called you to be obedient. And, and because we're, we're obedient, then you're already stewarding what? what? You're, he didn't give. The, you're returning it to him. You're not giving him something. It's all his anyway. 
You're just returning it to it. It's his. You're not giving God anything. I mean, it's like me letting my son borrow my Jeep the other day. He came back when he was done. He's like, hey, uh, if you want to drive your Jeep, here's the key. He didn't say that. You know what he did? He's like, hey, dad, I returned the Jeep. It's in the garage. The key's in it. That's what you do when you bring the tithe. You're not giving to him. You're just, you're just returning what's already his and saying, I trust you, Lord. It reveals our watchfulness. That's what Hotterfers do in our life. That's what the code of character does in our life. And also, uh, just for time, I'm going to say this. It also reveals the warrior moments in your life when you've got to step up and, and you've got to deliver for God's best and you've got to fight through it. And sometimes you've got to stand up and warrior for it. You've got to stand up and be ready. I'm not saying be a patootie. Hey, you can write that down. It's spelled P-O. No, just, I'm just saying, you, you, I, I, there's times you got to stand up and warrior. You got to, I'm not saying be ugly. I built this relationship. I, I live in Farmington, Arkansas. Uh, it, it's one of our largest communities uh, of our campuses from Bergman or Calico Rock. And it's, the population's 55, 91, whatever it is. Well, the beautiful thing is when we moved there, there was a McDonald's, uh, Cardinal Corner, and uh, a few shops. Uh, now, next to our building that we've been so blessed with is they just built a Starbucks in Farmington, Arkansas. I feel like a gazillionaire. As a matter of fact, I walk over there and pretend like it's my office. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's going on? You know, I love it. Well, I developed this relationship with this individual and uh, uh, this young man, and he was getting ready to move to Conway, and I just finished, and I, I, I now keep score on a, on a Starbucks cup of how many people I have the honor of being a part of that Jesus Christ saves in Starbucks. I love leading people to Jesus in Starbucks more than I do in the church. I just love it. Uh, matter of fact, the manager calls me Pastor Shannon now. Matter of fact, the other day, I had someone in there that works there, I still don't know who it was, gave me a $100 Starbucks gift card to just continue to come in there and bring atmosphere. Isn't that amazing? I got $68.12 left. I'm just saying that because I had 99 last night, but Sarah, my favorite child, got the password evidently. Only had 68 bucks today. But when, I, when, I'm, when I'm sitting there, he came up and he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, hey, I'm moving to Conway. And he said, pastor. Casual conversation, public conversation. And I was like, oh, and I, and I was trying to find his name badge. I couldn't remember his name. Just enough conversation ordering my Dopio Espresso or Americano as I go in there regularly and do. And he said, yeah, and when I move there, I'm having transition surgery to become a woman. And uh, there's times you just got a warrior. And I cannot tell you that I loved this individual, but out of love, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, you know what, if you have to have surgery to become a woman, you never will be one. And you aren't one. Good luck in Conway. And, and of course, my kids, I was telling that story at Thanksgiving. They're like, that's not how you do it. You, you, you should have showed love. I said, that was love. That was love. No, no, that's not how I define it. I think you just ran him off. I was like, what would have ran him off is for me to say I understand truth and I didn't share with him truth. Because I think he shared with me indirectly, he wanted to know if my truth was really truth. I don't think he was trying to have an argument with me. I think he just wanted to know, does he really believe this? Or is he going to give me one of those hugs like everybody else does? And I gave him a hug, but it wasn't like everybody else. I just said very clearly and very lovingly. 
I just said, if you have to have surgery to become something, you're not. And when you did that, you got a warrior. And I'm not saying pick an argument with everybody. He brought it to me. He brought it to me. Every one of those employees in there, they have an opportunity, a conversation. I'm not stopping what I'm doing and I'm not trying to stop what they're doing. I'm just hoping that my character is going to change some people because I'm wearing the coat. And I want people to see it in Starbucks or wherever else you have the opportunity to go. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's not always those voice moments, but God gives one warrior up. There was a time you were wowed by God, you witnessed for God, you worshiped God, you were ready to war for the cause of Christ. You walked with God, you welcomed people for God, you used to tape off sections of the pews and seats in your church because you knew your neighbor was coming, your friends were coming, you used to be that. We need that warrior mentality again. We need to step up and be bold again. Joseph was bold, second in charge basically of um, this nation is the general, the largest nation at this time in the world. And Hotifer's going, I want you to come to bed with me. It wasn't like some secret meme. It wasn't like some kind of wink, wink. She goes, I want to get in bed with you. And he had to warrior up and take off running. That's warrior too. And the crazy thing is she pulls off his, isn't it crazy, his coat. And she holds it up and says, oh, he's trying to make me. Hashtag me too. And I mean, it was just like terrible. Just like it was on Oprah, the whole story. And you think, well, I did the right thing. I should be rewarded. He was, but it was prison, which is the code of the convict, which I don't have time to preach because I only have seven minutes and 51 seconds. But I do have a website. If you can't sleep at night, you can go to brandnewchurch.com, click on messages, and it'll put you right to sleep. <laughs> I just know this. God doesn't deliver you from moments like that, oftentimes, because he wants to develop you. And when you become developed and character-filled, oh, watch out, world. Watch out, world. One of my favorite things to do especially in the gym, is talk to people at the gym about my girlfriend. I love it. I love telling them stories. I, I, not inappropriate. I never cross any lines, but just how much I love Cindy and how crazy I am about her. She, she's literally a supermodel. She is amazing. She's drop-dead gorgeous. She's 51 years old, and you'd never know it. I mean, the guy at Academy Sports the other day, weren't you in here with your daughter the other day? That doesn't make me happy, but it's wonderful because she is amazing. And I remember telling this friend at the gym, oh, I'd say about a year ago, his name's Shane, and I was like, oh, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. He's like, hey, man, I, I know I've met KJ, your son. Who's your girlfriend? I was like, well, that's my wife of almost 30 years. He's like, dude, you're weird. And I was like, I know. But she's never stopped being my girlfriend. I still date her. I still can't wait to make out. I already said that in the message. I know I've offended some of you. Uh, but I do like to make out. God's good. But I was sitting there and I was just kind of, and, and when I got, when he, at some point we we're, I don't know what we we're doing. We we're doing some workout. We get done. He goes, hey, he goes, can I ask you a question? 
what do you do for a living? That is the greatest question ever. Number one, that he didn't know. And number two, he was intrigued by what I did. And I said the question, answered the question the way, you know, the awkwardness of the situation walks in. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he was like, I knew something was different. Where do you pastor? What do you do? What? You talked about your wife as your girlfriend, this, that, or the other, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, guess who shows up at church? Shane. Guess who was one of the last people to leave today? Uh, Jeremy was telling me, Corey. Last serving today is they were doing a big set change for our Christmas series. Shane. Guess who came in the other day for some marriage mentoring? He and Kelly. Shane. And he just wanted to see the character warriored out, lived out. Not, not kind of, not bad mouthing your wife, not talking bad, not saying the little woman, not saying, oh, you know, oh, you know, the old ball and chain and whatever these stupid things we say that make people laugh. That's not funny. Call my wife, my girlfriend is. Everybody thinks it's funny. The lady checking in, I got four bottles of water last night. And I was like, can I have four bottles of water? And I'm answering the phone. She can see it. It says my girlfriend across the top of the phone. She goes, that's interesting. I was like, yeah, that's my wife of 29 years. People don't even know what to do with that. Why? Because the devil has lied and tried to warrior for the fact that if you sleep around or have multiple marriages or you can't live and thrive and it get better, you can warrior for this stuff. You can live with this coat of character in your life when you recognize the favor of God is on your marriage. How do we build the coat of character? With four minutes I've got left, let me give you four things. Number one is this, live to please God. It's that simple. It's favor, please God. How then can I do this? Great wickedness, he says, and sin against God. The fear of God. If we feared God, you wouldn't be flipping around on TikTok. If we feared God, I know you wouldn't have Snapchat. Because no one who loves Jesus has Snapchat. And somebody just got a phone call right now from their girlfriend. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. It's interesting that we think God... No, listen. God wants to be in all that business. And what I tell people that have the hurdles where you know it isn't pleasing to God, get to a place where you can please God by making a list. List out all the people in your life it would affect if you slept with Hotifer. Make a list of who all you'd wreck if you said yes to your flesh instead of yes to God's best. I remember when God called me to do that. I wrote all this down. Number one, Jesus, then Cindy, then my kids. And I, I, I would hate to tell my kids that I'm such a pervert that I couldn't keep my pants on to honor Jesus Christ and the legacy of my marriage and my home for his glory. It was haunting. And the second thing I did is I sat down with a person who God saved their marriage but went through a nasty, nasty affair. And I said, tell me the things you should avoid so I can help other men avoid it so they can win against this sin. Go recon. Make a list. Choose to win. Wear the coat. You have his favor. Choose it. And make a list. 
with Anna's name on it and Evan's name on it and Sarah's name on it and KJ's name on it. My dad, brand new church, prosper. And my 12-week-old granddaughter, Alba Soul. I'm going to leave a legacy, don't you? Wear the coat. Wear the coat. The other thing is this. If you want to win and have this coat of character and live in the favor of God, battle daily. Every day, get up and ready to fight. You already know. Do I need to preach on the whole armor of God? No, I'm not going to preach it. But we were to put it on every day. Everybody, just, everybody thinks that Christianity is hugs and kisses. It's not. It's just not. It's hell out there. We're fighting against it to take kingdom and kingdom ground and square footage for the cause of Christ. You need to get up ready to battle. Genesis 29, excuse me, 39, 10, it says this, as she spoke to Joseph, listen to this, day by day, every day you're in a battle, he knew that Hotifer was crazy. She cray cray, cuckoo. There's words that you can't use in church that we would say for this person. And God wants you day by day to put on the character. You don't put it on once and go, God's protected us. Every day, fight for your marriage. Fight for purity. Put your phone away. Put the stuff away that's causing you to hinder. Every day, I'm ready to fight. I'm in the battle. I'm saying yes. I'm ready to see victory. I want to build the kingdom. I want to have character. And while you're clapping, I have no idea, but keep doing it. And I love it. Let's do it. Let's celebrate it. You need to live it every day. Get in the battle. I went on a mission trip 20 years ago. That isn't enough. I got saved when I was a nine. That's enough of the power and the feeling, but now you got to live it out every day. You got to walk in it because God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. So win again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And can I just say this to married couples? And especially if you're in the ministry, married couple, get a marriage counselor. And some of the best marriage counselors, and they're not therapists, but they're mentors from, you know, 20, 30 years older than you that can just pour into your life. My wife have on speed, my wife and I have on speed dial three mentors for marriage that we can just call so I can find out I was wrong again. <laughs> it, it changes our life. You've got to bring people with perspective in there. Like why? Because I want my marriage to be great. I want it to be great. And the last thing you need to do is you need to make sure you're not heeding any area that is the wrong area in your life. I love that Genesis 39, it says this. It says, he did not heed her. I like some King James. I'm 50. Something's happening. I'm just starting reading more King James. I don't know what's wrong with me. But every once in a while, I need some 13th century Elizabethan English just to make me happy. Do not heed her. I mean, he knew he had to work. He knew he had to honor his boss. But he did not heed her. And I just encourage you to put these coats on. Put them on. By the way, if you're saved, you have one. The coat of many colors. Variegated. Favor. Wisdom. You get to walk in it. And now you get to keep on in the character of God wearing the coat. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just simply talk to God about whatever the Spirit of God is talking to you about? Whatever it is, whatever He's saying, 
and live intentional with the coat of salvation, the coat of favor. Live intentional. Walk in it. Thank him for it. And then when it comes to the issues of character that you got to daily fight for, ask God to help you. I, I don't know what it is for you. Again, it may not be a fleshly thing in the sense of ha hotifer, but it could be a hidden checking account from your spouse that's keeping division in your marriage. It could be an addiction. It could be that you don't feel secure unless you have an e- a, some type of illness, some type of weakness instead of living in victory. I don't know. But just say yes to God's best. I'm going to live in the character through the favor of God and live in the lens of his favor. If you're submitting to that and God's spirit is speaking to you something specific about that, in just a confession, would you just slip your hand up right now and just say, God's speaking to me and I, I'm willing and I'm yielding myself in obedience to him. Just slip it up real quick. You can put it right back down. I love it. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. I tell people all the time, just start with a confession, even if it's just simply raising your hand. You're like, well, God knows my heart. Well, I'm sure God knew a lot of people's heart that didn't get on the ark. You got to get on the ark. You got you to confess. It happens with a statement. It happens with a moment. Just say it to him. And then just take that opportunity to just slip your hand up and say, I'm moving in it. I'm obeying it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Father, we thank you. Thank you for building character, building the lens and the understanding of vision and favor. Thank you for the life of Joseph. So beautifully mirroring some type and shadows in your life that minister us and move us to a walk that's greater until your return, to make a difference, to build your kingdom. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.